death is an inevitability of life. And we all know that. And yet, in spite of the fact that we know that, we all somehow feel that there's something inherently wrong with death, that it's unnatural, that it's wrong, that maybe this is how it is, but it's not how it should be. Hey guys, welcome to the Expositors Collective Podcast, episode 100. I'm your host, Mike Neglia, and I want to thank you for listening. Now, I've been looking forward to episode 100 for quite a while. It's a nice milestone for a podcast or anything really to reach, um, heading into triple digits. And so here we are. We're glad to have put out 99 episodes so far that have hopefully helped you in your personal study and public proclamation of God's word. And uh, here we are with our 100th episode. But I'm not going to make a big celebration or, or anything like that because uh, the world's different and uh, even this episode is a little bit different than what we've been doing so far. Uh, as a, you know, as the host of the podcast and as the one who uh, makes the schedules and the one who decides like what episode to put out when, uh, this new situation that we're finding in, the COVID-19 crisis or the pandemic, whatever you want to call it, uh, it means that I felt it was going to be kind of silly or tone deaf to just keep on putting out content as if nothing has changed and as if everything's the same as it always has been. But I do have a lot of unreleased episodes. I've got like more than 20 episodes that are um, here on my computer, uh, interviews that I and others have done with people about teaching and preaching, and then also recordings from our training weekends that we haven't released yet. So I've kind of decided that after releasing the past three episodes about live stream preaching and some of the nuts and bolts and also pastoring in the midst of crisis, um, what I'm gonna be doing is releasing some of these older episodes that we have because Although the delivery method has changed, our message hasn't. We still want Christ-centered, expository uh, preaching to be going out, even though it's going to be going out in a different way for the foreseeable future. And so uh, this is an episode that I recorded back in January uh, with Nick Cady. It's actually like the second part of a two-part uh, interview that we did. Um, first, he interviewed me about weddings, and then I interviewed him about funerals. And there's not going to be very many weddings that are taking place. In fact, I was meant to do one on the 13th of April, and that one is now uh, canceled. And I don't want to be too dramatic, and I hope this isn't the case, but the reality is, uh, Preacher, uh, you're going to be doing funerals. And so here is an episode that we recorded before all this um, started, but about ways to teach and preach and care for people at a funeral service. And so although now with social distancing, some of this might even look different, but I think there's some timeless principles that I want to release. So this is the first of the older episodes that I'm releasing into a new world. And again, as I said a few minutes ago, I think each one of them has timeless principles that are applicable 
to our current day and age. Um, and sadly, I think this funeral one is gonna be the first one that we release. You know, guys, I am longing and looking forward to releasing the wedding one. Uh, we look forward to a time when celebrations recommence, when groups can gather, when husbands and wives can say, I do, and then a crowd, however distant or separated they are, can cheer as they enter into their covenant together. But that day is not here yet, and so I look forward to that. But here is an interview recorded in January of 2020 uh, between myself and Nick Cady. We recorded this in Austria, and it's how to shepherd people well and preach the word at funerals. Hi, welcome to the Expositors Collective podcast. Today, we're having a short, focused episode on preaching funerals. And we have a special guest, Nick Cady. Hi, Nick. Hey. So, Nick, I did a wedding a couple of weeks ago, and somebody else preached a sermon. And it was a, a, a relative of the, the groom, and he preached a sermon. He was a, a pastor from the U.S., and he was uh, visiting to do that. And I said, oh, do you enjoy preaching weddings? And he says, I enjoy preaching weddings, but I much prefer preaching funerals. And then he quoted this. It's better to go to a house of mourning than to go into a house of feasting. For death is the destiny of everyone, and the living should take this to heart. Yeah. that's. I think that's a great point. Yeah. Yeah. I did not expect him to say that. I was just making small chit-chat with him. Really? Do you enjoy weddings? And he said, not as much as I enjoy funerals. Yeah, I think I share that sentiment a little bit. Really? I, I wouldn't say I enjoy funerals, but I do think that um, I value them. Yeah. Yeah. And value the opportunity to preach at them. Yeah, a big reason is because I think it at weddings you're almost like an accessory as That's a right. preacher, yeah. and like you were saying in that episode, it's really not about you, and um, it, you know you can mess it up, and, mm. and one of the ways you mess it up is by bringing attention to yourself mm. and saying things that leave people talking about what the preacher said. Um, with a few with a funeral, you want people to leave talking about what the preacher said because. I also think you have their attention and their, their attention is hyper-focused on you and what you say. And they're kind of waiting on the edge of their seat to find out what you're going to say. Wow. And I, I recently read a book about the power of negativity and how to you know, keep that in mind that negative things have a bigger impact on us. And that is why, for example, we learn more from failure than we do from success. But it's also, I think, true when it comes to weddings and funerals. I think that Whereas in funerals, a lot of times you're an accessory to the main event. With a funeral, you have everybody's attention. Mm. Yeah, mm. they're they're on pins and needles waiting for you to yeah. talk. There's not much pageantry. No. There's not a flower girl who's cute. No. Um, yep. It's just the reality that their friend, their relative is in that coffin. Yeah. And I think that people um, somehow, there's a, there's a few things about death that I think are, are kind of universal and surprising. One of them is that people always seem to be surprised by mm. death. And I think that that's because of the nature of the fact that we weren't made for death. Mm. Um, the other part is that people always seem to be unsure what you're going to say. Yeah. Um, and so I, I find that to be, 
you know, I feel like I really have their attention, that they are focused on their mortality. Yeah. And so it's you are lined up to preach the gospel uh, quite easily. Right, right. And so in our last episode, we talked about the the importance of preaching the gospel at a wedding. But it's um, again, people are, are hoping that it's going to be a brief thing. Yes. Now, how, how do you preach the gospel at, at a funeral? Yeah, well, I think clearly you have to deal with it based on the fact of whether the person was a Christian or not. Yeah. But you, I, in my opinion, you should preach the gospel whether the person was a Christian or not. Mm. And one of the ways I do that, there's kind of two main things I tend to do in every funeral I do. And one of them is I, I talk about the person. And then at some point I get around to the point that death is an inevitability of life. And we all know that. And yet, in spite of the fact that we know that, we all somehow feel that there's something inherently wrong with death, that mm-hmm. it's unnatural, that it's wrong, that maybe this is how it is, but it's not how it should be. Yeah. And then I'll tie that into the gospel, especially if Romans 8 speaks about this, how we all yearn for the redemption of our bodies and, and the revealing of the sons of God. But actually, one of my favorite uh, passages that I've found to segue into the gospel is in Luke 16. Uh, the story of the rich man and Lazarus. That's what I thought, really. Yeah. Whoa. And the way I do that is, because here's the thing, when people, when somebody dies, they're all wondering, you know, what would Tracy say to us if she could speak to us right now? Mm Because everybody wishes they had that opportunity. And so whether that person was a believer or you're quite sure that they weren't a believer, I think that passage speaks really clearly because essentially here's what happens in the parable is if this man dies, he goes to hell or Hades and he realizes very quickly that um, that hell and Hades are real. And he wishes, he actually asks, can I go back? Can I have the opportunity to go back and speak to my loved ones and more or less warn them yeah. not to follow my own error? And the answer, sadly, is no. But we have the story given to us. And that story should speak volumes of, hey, if your deceased loved one could come back, here is what they would want you to know. They would want you to know that they love you very much. And they would want you to know that heaven and hell are real, that God is real. And they would want you to um, take the opportunity while you have it right now to receive the gospel, to embrace it and get right with God. That's heavy. It is heavy. And I've but th- that's not a place for levity, though. <clears throat> when, there, when there's a coffin in the room. That's right. They don't want to hear jokes. No. Yeah. I found that that's actually a way to talk about eternity, even with people who are not Christians, right? And so you're actually addressing hell, which can seem like, you know, you could probably do that in a lot of very uh, tactless ways. That's right. That was one of my questions. Do you speak about hell? Yeah, I probably would mention it because I would tell that story. Okay. And I do that on purpose because I, I want people to know because... I need them to know that, um, look, we can't do anything about the destiny of this person who has passed on, but you can, and they would want you to mm. because they love you. Mm. So I, I would mention it. I, I would, I, oddly enough, I would probably mention it more in the funeral of a person who is a believer. Okay. Because there's, you're quite sure that they are not in hell. And as opposed to a person who's not a believer, I would, I would still mention it, but I would make my emphasis more on that heaven is real. And because of what Jesus did, you know, we, we can be forgiven and redeemed. Hmm. Wow. Well, and um, a question is, 
Like, how do you prepare yourself for this? It's not all about you, but this is a podcast about preachers. Yeah. How do you prepare yourself to, to do that, to stand in that place and to say those serious words? Well, we just had a, a friend uh, die recently, uh, unexpectedly, very tragic. And um, I got to go and, and, you know, this is about preaching, but there was a, definitely a lot more pastoral things that happened right in the process of this person passing. And, you know, the, the way that you get through that, and even with a friend, is that you know that, well, her husband in this case is also a friend. And I need to be strong on his behalf yeah. in the strength of the Lord. Yeah. But uh, I remember when I got up there to speak and it was, oh, so many people in the room, it was five or 600 in this very large place. And um, you know, this person was very loved and very honored. And so um, I got up there and immediately started to, my voice started to crack. Mm-hmm. I started to lose it emotionally. But as I went on, I was kind of able to gather myself. And then when it came to preaching the word and talking about uh, that person, I was able to um, to to be to, to pull it together, and I I was thinking about it more as a sense of duty and and wanting to love my friend and honor his wife. Yeah, well, and um, so it sounded like you were doing more than just the sermon. That you were probably officiating the whole service. Yeah, so you end up being kind of an MC, and I know that yeah. this is different in different cultures. For example, that's right. Um, the way that it, it's always gone in, in ours recently in the U.S. is that, you know, I'll kind of MC the service. I'll open with some um, with some prayers. I will usually have readers or I'll do the reading myself. We'll pick some special readings. I'll do the obituary. So I'll kind of, you know, go through their life. And, and maybe that would be a place for more levity right there. Yeah. And, um, you know, hearing some laughs in the room. I think that that's needed at yeah. these times but definitely not during the sermon certainly right? yeah and then then would come the sermon and then usually after that comes the eulogies which also tend to bring a little bit of of levity to the room yeah that's right and have your friends and relatives coming up and and speaking on their behalf yeah that's right okay um have you read the book um i can't think of it. it's i think the author's name is brian i can't think of his surname but it's conducting gospel-centered sermons Sorry, conducting gospel-centered funerals. I haven't. No, I should. It's too late now, but <laughs> uh, I can't think of his last name. He he has the um, he has a. I'll I'll put a link in there, but I can think of his face. But yeah, it, I I read it. I was I was obsessed with funerals for mm. years. Okay, because I I never did one. Yeah, and I knew that one was going to happen, and I, I wouldn't be able to plan for it. Yeah. In, in Ireland, where I live, there's a, a very quick, you know, the person could die on on Monday, and then the funeral could be on Wednesday. Yeah. Um, they really emphasize how, how quick, maybe in Hungary it's the same thing, but mm-hmm. it happens very, very quickly. And so I just had this, um, I don't know, anxiety might be too strong of a word, but I wanted to have it almost, I had a file on my computer ready to go. Yeah. waiting for somebody to die. <laughs> but just I wanted to be prepared. I didn't want to spend time looking up what I'm supposed to do for a funeral yeah. when I should be with the family. Right. And so I read that book. And um, the, I think Brian Chappell has a book too called yeah. The Hardest Sermons You'll Ever Preach. Okay. And it's a collection of I've funeral that, sermons. But I haven't read it. Yeah. Well, I admire your preparation. Like well, I mean, I got this. I had, yeah, I just knew it was going to happen. You know, somebody was going to get hit by a car. Someone was going to die. So did it happen? Yeah, it did. Yeah. Okay. Um, and, and I actually had a little bit of a little bit of notice. notice. It was somebody's um, dad. He visited the church from time to time. He was a believer, but he wasn't really super connected. Um, and so, I, you know, happened. He went into hospice. We had a couple of days and then, you know, he passed away and then looked after his daughter 
helped plan the funeral and then and then did it and didn't have to spend all this mad rush of doing it. So, yeah. you know, people might just miss the skip this podcast because it's not yeah. relevant for them. But if you're listening to this all the way through, like, thank you. And yeah. you're doing a service to the grieving family that you don't know yet. Absolutely. Because you've put thought into it now rather than scrambling in the days or um, beforehand. Yeah, absolutely. I think the other thing is that the reason we want to preach the gospel is not just to call people to salvation, but it's also to bring about the sense of hope. That's right. Um, I was telling you in one of our conversations recently about uh, in Hungary, you know, really one of the traditions, especially with Roman Catholic funerals, is they, they really grieve and they they feel that they're not honoring the person unless they grieve very visibly, very audibly, like the weeping, it's very loud. They'll even say things uh, in the funeral that evoke more sadness and it cause more weeping. And they do this on purpose because they feel that this is how they honor the person. Yeah. You want to say that liturgy again? Uh, yeah. I mean, it was something similar to like, you will never hold their hand again. You will never, they will never touch your face again. You will never see them ever again. And as these things are said, the weeping like increases and, and the crowd, and it's almost like they're trying to evoke more of that. Whereas the gospel yeah. is the hope that because of Jesus, we will hold hands again. We will dance again. We will embrace again. And it won't just be ethereal. It will be new bodies. Yeah. And it will be it will be real and tangible, and that is a very real important hope, and we want to communicate that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, do you have any any tips on like length or any any just you you've recently performed a funeral? Like, what do you wish that you knew before? Yeah, I feel like with this funeral, I I feel like it went really well. But yeah. what I've learned up until this point was that keep it really short hmm. um, because. This is this, you have people's attention and almost you don't want to waste it. Yeah. Again, like you're not going to be doing an exposition in this case. Um, so I'll quote from the Bible. I sometimes, well, I most of the time will not give them the address, so to say, of the verses I'm sure. referencing. I'll yeah. say the Bible says this because my goal is to get them the message. Hmm. Um, and I try to keep my message to 10 to 12 minutes max. Okay. Okay. Um, here's here's a tip from me on this. Again, I haven't done as many as you. I've 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 done. I've officiated two, mm-hmm. and I've been involved in I think four. Okay. I'm, I'm thinking over my my years. Um, what I've what I've done that I thought was really meaningful was I I used the man's Bible. Oh wow! And so he, he was a Christian, and he you know he had verses underlined and stuff. Yeah. And so I you know did a reading and a sermon from Psalm 23. Yeah, and he had things underlined. Yeah. And was able to even say, you know, you know, this man, this word meant enough to him for him to circle it twice. Mm. So let's think about this. I like that. And we did that in this recent funeral. Really? Yeah. That the readings came from things. We went through her Bible and looked at the the passages where she had marked them up. Really? And those were our readings. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good thing. You know, it's, it, and it's not just a, a way to cheaply evoke things. No. It's a real honorific way to, yeah. to say this person... I'm not making things up about yeah. what this person would want you to know. Yeah. This person loves this verse. Yeah. Yeah. You're getting to the essence of them. Yeah. Yep. So if you're listening to this in advance, like, good job. Thank you. Yeah. If you're listening to this because you 
have a funeral to do tomorrow, like we just wish the best for you. Absolutely. Hey, would, would you pray for the funeral? Yeah, let's do it. The, the preachers, yeah. Heavenly Father, I pray for those who are preaching funerals yeah. and um, and maybe their funerals for people they didn't know. Maybe their funerals for people they don't know if those people are in the kingdom or not. Um, Lord, I pray that you give them strength, wisdom, tact, Lord, that they would be able to do this and honor you while honoring uh, the people that they're eulogizing and remembering. And Lord, we just pray you give us wisdom and strength to use these opportunities for your kingdom and your mission. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.